But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. I'm your host, Cody Ryan, here with my co-host, as always, Bobby Output. How's the output today, Bobby? Hey guys, this is Karen Colgareth. What? I host a true crime podcast. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, people like to Shut listen to me, studio. talk to my co-hosts, and we do that for like 25 minutes before getting to the thing that people tune in on. Okay, well, I, I have something I need to admit to you, ma'am. Um, I thought you were the same person as the person from Gilmore Girls for a while, just because your Twitter avi without clicking on it just looked enough like the which, lady from Gilmore Girls. Which person did you think I was? The mom. I, Karen Kilgareth. I don't watch Gilmore Girls. You the thought mom. that I was in Bad Santa? Yes. In Parenthood? Thank Sh- you. Sure. That would be a compliment to me, Karen Kilgareth. Alright, this bit has probably gone on 20 seconds more than I ever imagined, uh, but... Oh, hey, I'm Bobby. Uh, I'm back now. I'm Bobby Output, and the output is putting out, brother. <laughs> I think that was worse than the thing you just said. I, I don't know I where... You, anything. You're was, trending down in my book, Bobby. We haven't even really started the podcast. Your stock is at an all-time low. Our volume is way up. Yeah, we're, we're loud today. We're loud and we're proud. I'll I, mean, turn, I'll I turn. thought it was just Karen at first, but it's both of us. Well, you know us. We just get we get rowdy. We like to have fun here. Now, I, I think we should introduce our, our, our third guest today. They've been kindly waiting uh, by. They've been kindly waiting by for um, about nine months now, I think. Um, that's my girlfriend, uh, Meg. How are you doing? Yes, everyone. I do exist. What? They didn't question that. Hi. Happy uh. to be here. Great. Eminem's uh, seeing Santa during a Christmas commercial voice. She does exist. She does exist. Is that the the voice? That's pretty close, right? She does exist. Well, the yellow one is J.K. Simmons. Yes. That's like obvious. Wait, what? Yeah. No, the yellow one's a dumb one. Yeah, that's J.K. Simmons. You think, you thought J.K. Simmons was the Jewish one? No. Sorry, are we talking about Eminem's? Yeah. Yeah, the red one is... Plainly Jewish. Yeah, but the green was like, yeah, that's J.K. Simmons. Why do you guys know this? I don't know why he knows that. I don't. Did you know that Pusha T wrote the ba da ba ba ba? I'm loving it. I think I might have known that actually. Yeah, that was Pusha T. I didn't know that. Did you know Pusha? Not Pusha T, but um, T Pain. I think it was like Usher or somebody told him he ruined music. It fucked him up for years. Yeah, and I then there that. like there was a real redemption arc for him to realize he 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 made music great. Yeah, I think part of that was when his uh, Tiny Desk concert came out and he sang without auto tune. Yeah, everyone was like, yeah. "Oh man, this dude can actually fucking like really sing." And he was actually really nice to Twitch gamers when they started getting hit with uh, copyrights. Uh, he released some of his beats just for people to play over. T-Pain um, rocks. Yeah, that's shout all great T-Pain. stuff. Yeah, shout out to T-Pain. Never had to make a song about getting a side chick pregnant. <laughs> no. And then put his ex-girlfriend through the trauma of it becoming a huge hit. He had to, You know why he had to auto-tune his songs? It's because everybody he worked with didn't have an interesting story to tell. They went to T-Pain to be like, this is my yacht song. They're like, come on, man. Can I do like any other song on the album? Like the one about like how you made it up? Like we could do like a cool like build-up beat. And stuff like that. Like, no, I want the one where I'm on a yacht. And Wait, what is like, T-Pain's fine. most famous song? Uh, that's debatable. I'm in love with a stripper. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. But it's, it's debatable because he's on other songs for well, yeah, people, for the yeah. auto I'm in love with a stripper. Is, it's pretty. Um, Good Life is up there. But isn't he on Yeah, like with Lil John, or am I just going to... No, that's Usher. Oh, I thought a lot of people were in that. So. Is Usher, Ludacris, and Lil John? Okay, I'm, I'm getting a different song. Anyway, um, none of that has anything to do with what today's podcast episode's about. Uh, well, peripherally, I would say I'm what you did. Does. You did. Um, but yeah, so we brought on my girlfriend today because she's a big fan of 
uh, you know, as they would call them, true crime podcasts. And as it so happens, there's quite a few things happening right now in the real world and also on the podcast world and then the people critiquing the podcast world that kind of led to the question um, one night, I think we were watching Dexter, a show that is, I mean, to say it's about serial killers is kind of um, hilarious. Uh, but, you know, I kept thinking... Dexter's a show about how blood spatter is a bullshit science. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't use that at all to figure anything out. Um, or is it recognized in courts anymore? Yeah. But basically, you know, what is this obsession with serial killers? But I wanted to look at it from, like, a different perspective of just... I know this has been talked about before. Like, why... I mean, some psychologist knows why we crave watching, you know, World War Two war stuff. We crave all this, this darkness, but... We realize we're hitting a very interesting point where even people are starting to say, hey, you're not living your life right because of the way you're interacting with it. So that's where I'd like to start is particularly, you know, we're talking about podcasts that are focusing on serial killers, true crime that might lead to murder, may not. But this person came right out the gate and said, you know, don't don't buy into that. This is fear mongering. Don't don't do it. And we read the article, and we all had clearly much different reactions. We'll, <laughs> I'm doing my classic thing where I say, we'll link to the article, and then we're not going to do it. Yeah, we don't but, link to the uh, It's on Gawker, and it's called something along the lines of true crime is ruining our brains. I think it's like, yeah, like melting our brains or something like that. So, Meg, you and I had kind of a conversation about this last night, and you say you don't disagree with the article, but I think you hit on something very important and reason why we wanted to talk about it with you. And it's kind of the thing I want to talk about, just a reminder for the rest of the podcast, is that me and Bobby, white male, um, obviously we can be afraid of serial killers, but we know we don't watch TV the same way when they're talking about, you know, vulnerable and people being attacked and people being kidnapped. It's generally females. Um, so we talked to only female we knew, uh, my girlfriend, just kidding, we know two females, Bobby's got a fiance, she was busy, um, no, we, we talked to you because I think this is something that you actually do understand to the point that, um, you know, you're not just a casual podcast fan in the sense of some people who just listen to a few of these, you know them pretty well. Yes, I've listened to hundreds of episodes of Crime Junkie. Which, you know, begs the question, is, is that good? But no, I, I've listened to Crime Junkie with her, and it's actually gotten me a little hooked as well. Um, but talk about, you know, what Crime Junkie is and, um, you know, what they're aiming to do. We're going to well, bleep out the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Free ads here. My yeah. monkey. No other podcast. My monkey. Uh, <laughs> no, Crime Junkie is my favorite podcast. Um it's wow. Honestly, it's honestly one right of Right in front of me. <laughs> it's honestly one of Get the of the out. <laughs> one of the only podcasts that I've like listened to for years and not like stop listening to it. That's fair. Like I've I've gone through been dating for nine months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no, but like, you know, I often have tried Ten Oh, Lucy. Oh, Lucy's here. Hi. Um, I I've tried other podcasts, uh, like for example, me and Bobby were talking about my favorite murderer, and they said I did not like that one. Um, but Crime Junkie to me has always been the one that I enjoy listening to most because I think that the two hosts are genuine people, and they use their platform to raise awareness for um, you know people who have been murdered or are missing that. Uh, you know, would not get coverage in the regular media. And they have millions of listeners. And I think it's great that they, you know, they share petitions to, you know, help reopen cases and they have a nonprofit that they started. So, you know, while I think there's obviously negative effects to listening to so much true crime, I do think that this podcast in particular is, you know, also kind of giving you something to to feel good about after you listen to someone get murdered. Great. Cause you know, when I hear about someone get murdered, um, I usually just hear about, you know, the scores of my favorite sports teams right after. And it's never good in Philadelphia. So, uh, but I only hear about a murder once a week anyway. Uh, no, no, but they're, they're, they, they do a lot of, of super interesting cases that just never got covered that are more interesting than, 
you know, the Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry case where things kind of seem a little bit like everyone knew what was going to happen. Um, Except I still have a theory. <laughs> but a Conspiracy theory at the end of the episode. No, but I mean, there's been, you know, episodes that I've listened to that have really moved me and like made me go on and, and you know, sign petitions and, and share things with other people just because I do think it's a, it's a great thing to like hear about people who maybe, you know, wouldn't get coverage what's it called white woman missing syndrome or something that they were talking about yeah and i think you know when i've listened to crime junkie the one thing that stuck out to me is they do their research they make sure the facts are right they really do and there are a lot of podcasts out there that just don't care and that's where i think this article that we're referring to is where it can kind of get a little bit like are we all on the same page here because those kind of podcasts, sometimes it's it's like they're just trying to tell the story. And everything, a story is always compelling. And when it's true, it's even more compelling. And we're talking about, you know, the deepest, darkest stuff here. And if you're talking about it without care, which it seems like, you know, there's kind of a different vibe around talking about serial killers than there used to be. It used to be kind of like, do you want to watch that? That's going to be creepy. Now it's like, oh, there's a new serial killer doc, like... We haven't seen that yet. Like, I even feel I that. can't wait to talk, like, mention details of this to someone to see if they're cool. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> but it's such an odd thing, though, when we're talking about the, these gruesome things. That in itself carries so much weight. You should get that right. I think you have a kind of duty to get it right when you're talking about mm-hmm. these things. Especially because, here's where the one thing in the article that I really want to kind of dissect that they were um, upset about with Gabby Petito specifically. And that was when you shine a light on these cases, you may, you may shine a light to people who um, kind of want to forget about them that are the witnesses and things. Now the counter there right away is the Gabby Petito case though. People were finding evidence on Instagram that before the police were. So it's kind of like, this gray area of you know invading the privacy of the dead when it's also like we need to know what happened to them so i mean is is that something that we've ever really defined before no i don't think so i didn't agree with that with that part of the article i also thought that i she said she would rather be stabbed again than have tiktokers like going through her like pictures and stuff which okay like i understand that but i don't know i felt like that was a little dramatic and maybe maybe uh, she's <laughs> being dramatic for the sake of the article i have a feeling that that was a uh, hyperbole yeah <laughs> yeah well, i mean i understand that but i also just like i don't know i i i get that that can do harm when people think that they're like cops and investigators but you know, also listening to a lot of true crime podcasts, I feel like at the end of the day, uh, the cops aren't always the ones that come up with the actual, you know, or find out what actually happened. Are you and shitting if, me? <laughs> no, but like, if, if you don't, if you don't have people fighting for you in your corner, you know, if something, if you went missing that aren't the cops, you know, you're gonna, chances are you're not gonna get the place that you maybe could get with other interest in it i mean we've moved through like five different aspects of this that i want to hit on in a little (laughs) bit more depth but before we get into any of that i i was literally like on the train over here and i was like all right we're going to talk about the cops part the people investigating uh online sleuths part like all this other stuff and you guys are like all right let's intermingle that all at the beginning but yeah because i was thinking that sounds like a bobby line i can ruin right there before we get into all of this um i do want to state just the central thesis of this article um that is you know i rather get that has become central to the way that we're talking about this right now um With the exception of a spike in murders in 2020 that coincided with COVID, major crime has been steadily decreasing for 18 years. Even with the spike, murder rates are a third of what they were in the 90s. You are more likely to die from heart disease or a car crash than you are from being murdered. And in the U.S., men are far likelier to be homicide victims than women. But listening to true crime podcasts, you would never suspect this. Most of the audience and the hosts themselves are female, 
and most cases covered by true crime podcasts are about women. It's making women paranoid. You so, disagree with this? Right? I disagree with that. Everything. I I think that she's totally correct, but I don't necessarily think that. And not everyone. I mean, obviously, like there's going to be groups of people in any demographic that are going to be outliers. But I I don't think personally. I don't I don't feel like the the people that are like truly really invested in these true crime podcasts like i don't think that they think that they're gonna get murdered so and i don't think that they think that you know like the murder rate is higher than it's ever been so here's my counterpoint this is completely anecdotal which great every true crime podcast episode is basically completely anecdotal it's, it's a about one big thing. anecdote yes. about it's a bunch about, of murders it's one thing in a man your anecdotes in a sample of a, a lot but when uh, I first heard of My Favorite Murder, they were on the Cracked Podcast, uh, God Rest It, years ago. R.I.P. And this was back in the days where you and I probably felt like we were like kind of weird for being this into true crime and murder and serial killers and things like that. And this podcast, to me, was one of the things that was like, oh, it's like kind of normal. And also, I can get a lot of this content that was not as out there for me. I love Gilmore Girls. At the time, we thought it was weird. And so, or other people thought it was weird too. So, we weren't getting it. So, I was just basically listening to it nonstop. And I remember driving home from Izzy's apartment. This was before we lived together. Late at night, and I parked in the parking lot. And it was like midnight. And all the lights in my house were down there everything was off and i was like oh fuck like am i about to get killed by someone or like am i gonna walk in and my whole family is dead like because usually the lights aren't off so i don't and again this was i'm inundating my brain with this um because there's a ton of episodes for me to catch up on but i think that while it's not maybe with my favorite murder it is a little bit or it was earlier in their run but we can get to that later while it's not the intention of any true crime podcast to make people paranoid I do think that listening to a lot of it can you know sneak into your brain and make you paranoid even if that's not what they're intending and you're not trying to take lessons actively yeah, there's okay. subconscious. And I, I want to add to something, though, here. Um, the statistics, the statistic of men are murdered more than women. I'm going to take a lot of, um, let's say, rope with this one because I don't have the statistics back it up. Hi, Lucy. She's already yelling at me about it. Men get themselves murdered more. Now, and I don't say that from the perspective of, you know, what you hear with women. Oh, they were asking for it. It's the way they're dressed. I'm saying men get into arguments in cars and then one pulls out a gun and shoots the other one more likely than women. Like, that, that's a real thing. Yeah. So, and also, like, if a man cheats on another, cheats with another man's wife, yeah. the man, the other man is more likely to murder him than I think a woman would be in the same situation with a gender swap. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about not just murders here, we're talking about particularly violent murders, it, that it's almost its own class that's not been classified, and that's a bit of the problem, and a bit of what we're trying to avoid, because at the end of the day, you know, there was, um, you know, a story that just came out, which is extremely unfortunate, um, and you could say, you know, maybe these guys should have looked out for some warning signs or something. Two football players. They are, uh, maybe it wasn't reason. Maybe I just stumbled upon it, but I'm pretty sure that something happened in the case at least. Um, two football players contacted by this woman who wants to hang out with a friend. They're thinking, you know, we're just going to hang out with two females. That's great. You know, they get to the house. The lights go off. They're tortured for 61 hours and they're stored from the bank account. That happened at Rochester. Yeah. My fiance's college. I think right after she graduated. Yeah, so this might be the story, maybe something updated that, like, they got... And there was drugs involved, so, like... Yeah. That obviously men are more likely to be, like, high-level drug dealers because they're 
strong enough and like have enough testosterone to defend themselves and yeah. be aggressive about it. And whether this is the, the same story or not, the, the whole point being football players, like big, strong guys, you know, being overtaken. And, and there's kind of even a, a similar um, storyline in Dexter about like that security guard. He's like a big guy. And he's basically, you know, he, he's mutilated by his killer. And that's the side of you that says, man, if these guys really wanted to do something to me, they're going to do it. Now, another side of me says that I've said on this podcast before, for some reason, when I was four years old, someone asked me to get in the car and I said, you know what? Don't want to do that. And it's those little gut reactions that sometimes save you. And if you're not the same kind of person who's putting on a plastic bag and going to the store so nobody can, like, even, like, think that you're sane enough to fuck with, then, yeah, a little paranoia does help. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that. I was, I had two things. First, I was going to say, what you're saying right now sort of justifies the, you know, the thing that my favorite murder used to do, where they'd do something that got interpreted and correctly i think as victim blaming where they'd be like don't do this she did this you know not to do this like stay sexy and don't get murdered it's like now you know the things not to do so that you can do the not get murdered part that you are enthusiastically shouting at the end of a live show like weirdo um but that was what you were coming around to say in the first place so cool Second, Meg, what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? I hate. I, I on don't that, on that specific um, gender gap thing as a woman because they do these these podcasts do tend to focus on women and um, like family annihilators, yeah. but yeah. women also are just like physically more vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I I said this when I read me and Cody read the article last night. That, like, I, and this is just me personally, when I listen to these podcasts, like, I I don't, I don't, like, take in the information and say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this to prepare myself for the fact that I could be murdered at any point. I think that I, I listen to, you know, the stories where, let's say they're about a woman around my age in a situation that I can be in, I kind of take it more as, you know, not thinking that I'm going to get murdered by someone, but just in general, I, you know, unwanted male attention makes me very nervous. And like, I, I just feel uncomfortable. And, and I think it that it's good to, to have a little bit of paranoia. And I will say, so the tagline of crime junkie is stay weird, stay rude, stay alive which I think is a much different message than whatever the stay sexy and don't get murdered because they're I clearly making fun of them too. Like, yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah. But like, like I, I genuinely feel like if, you know, I'm the kind of person that before I started listening to, to true crime, I, I don't like offending people or upsetting people. And I'm the kind of person that would probably get myself into a, a situation that I don't feel comfortable with. Not that someone's going to murder me, but you know, I still don't, you know, I don't want to, to, you know, get myself into a situation that could potentially turn into an unpleasant one, not being murdered. So I kind of feel like, you know, having, having that awareness and, and, you know, being aware of my surroundings and, and taking like little precautions that like maybe I've heard on the podcast, or maybe I've just come up with them from my own personal real life experiences. But I, I don't think a little paranoia is bad for women. So, specifically so what you're what i'm hearing and you can correct me if i'm misinterpreting this yeah. is you you don't think that it's made you paranoid but it has in some ways affected the way that you behave but um, you think that that's good it's so hard for me to say because i i've been in in situations as an adult that have made me act a certain way that don't have to do with listening to podcasts. Um, but I almost feel like I take away, but I, I take it, you know, it away as a positive, like, you know, they say it's, if you feel, if someone is talking to you and you're getting a, a bad vibe from them and you feel uncomfortable, like you don't have to be polite. You can say like, I'm not interested in having your phone number. I'm not interested in going out with you. 
And I think just like hearing that over and over again from, you know, listening to this podcast made me feel like, okay, like if I get into a situation where I don't feel comfortable, like maybe I will feel a little bit better about being rude and being weird to someone, you know, not that because I think I'm going to get murdered, but because I, you know, I want to be able to take myself out of an uncomfortable situation if I'm in one. So it's not so much that it's made me change my way of life, but I think that sub you know, for the better, sometimes it has made me a little bit more aware of my surroundings. Okay. So my next question is for both of you. Would you, would you say that the thing that has actually made people change the way they behave in a bad way, rather than being true crime podcasts is fear mongering, like local news Yes. Whereas, like, we all hear our parents and even us, um, depending on our age to a certain degree, say, like, oh, yeah, we used to be out running around playing in the streets uh, after the lights went out, like, until the dinner bell rang, blah, blah, blah. We could, like, when we were younger, we didn't have cell phones, so we would basically just be out. Our parents wouldn't know where we were, and it was mostly fine. Statistically, there's no shot anything's going to happen to us. Yeah. And then the local news. I mean, I'm asking you a question and also obviously stating my thoughts on the matter. Yeah. Our, our parents hear these big national stories that are an anecdote out of, again, an entire population of people. The local news tells us we need to be on the lookout yeah. for Satanists. Yeah. I think I think maybe that is what... Yeah. The, the change in behavior that we're seeing is because of that rather than necessarily yeah. true yeah. crime. I was terrified podcast. as a child that I was going to get kidnapped at any moment. I thought someone was going to come through my window and take me at night. I had nightmares about a car pulling up in front of my house and not being able to lock my door quick enough. And that was because my parents drilled it into me that, like, stranger danger, which is great in some points, but also, I mean, like, I really was – that was such a fear of mine as a child. See, my big fear as a child – uh, was that uh, if I was if I would cough the next day, I would be worried that someone came in and uh, maybe smoke a cigarette while I was lying in bed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think that's a really good question because for me, um, yeah, I think my dad. It, it was hard not to see him affected by it. I mean, he would call me in college and be like, "Oh, you know, watch out for oxycotton down there." I'm like. What, like, somebody could throw Oxycontin at my eye from a window? Like, yeah, I'd what? be like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spend, college, this would have cost me 30 bucks. College students, <laughs> check your free condoms for Oxycontin. Um, but no, I think what, you know, another thing that the, was in the article originally that does worry people who, like, think about, uh, you know, the paranoia that some people have is we have boogeymen that get made. And... You know, there is these serial killers that are dead or, um, you know, incarcerated for a long degree. And people start, you know, either, you know, fantasizing about them sometimes or they fear them. And they're these boogeymen. And the reality is that I learned, you know, I was a scared, a scared um, just to prove how boogeymen will get you, uh, is just like I would be afraid of... Um, you know, one specific serial killer I'd, I'd hear about. And then I found out my entire church was molesting children. And the article says, hey, it's the person next to you that is most likely going to kill you than, you know, some stranger. Good point there. But these things happen. These are real. We have to actually look at the boogeyman. And then one thing that kind of sticks out to me is the Atlanta monster. This is somebody who went around killing small black children, thinking, no one gives a shit about them. He kills many what? And they, Grim Sleeper as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, they're, they're defended as like, oh, that kid got killed because of that. That kid got killed because of that. And nobody wants to face the boogeyman. And the reality is, this was a real boogeyman. And how did it end? They caught someone they don't even know is the primary killer or even like like involved yeah. to a higher degree like you know it stopped but there were so many people ignoring it and even we watched you know the bastardized story of it in Mindhunter of you know how he came and helped them that's not really what happens 
it was mothers who were trying to say, this is a pattern. Little boys don't disappear from cities just because, and people were willing to say, I think they do. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and that's where I say, well, what the hell's wrong with learning a little bit and knowing and hearing about these things? And if you enjoy it, then people are going to say, okay, well, you enjoy serial killer, so you're a weirdo. Like, you enjoy hearing about murder. The reason we enjoy hearing about all of these things could differ, but I don't think anybody that I know is listening to it and going, yeah, I really liked how he scrapes people's faces off. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> just to add to that, like, I also, when I started listening to Crime Junkie, I feel like I learned so much about the justice system. I, you know, I figured out that I really don't agree with it in a lot of ways. And those are like realizations that I don't know if I would have made so like quickly if I didn't listen to stories about people that are, are not, you know, just white woman getting murdered, you know, listening to stories about indigenous uh, women or, you know, uh, there was one episode I listened to um, about uh, a teenager who was murdered by, you know, maybe classmates in in uh, in his gym, and you know, the he didn't get any coverage on it because he was black. Yeah. So, you know, these are things that I I'm grateful that I stumbled upon this podcast and got into it because I also learned a lot about you know the the unfairness of the justice system and and the world from from hearing these things that I don't know if I would have been exposed to if I if I didn't. So. Thank you for hitting on a, another one of the points. Oh my I was god! To talk. No, I'm, card. no, this is in the flow of the conversation though. Um, so, conversation. <laughs> because that's where I'm I'm of two minds on it. Because okay. one thing is, and I don't know how much to credit true crime. Um, as a genre with this and how much to credit just changing cultural views. But I, I do think that true crime maybe has played a role in changing cultural views on, um, you know, sex workers. Uh, they would have been called, you know, a hooker, a prostitute. Um, I forget the really disgusting acronym that they used to use. Um, that's very true. that basically meant like person no one cares about that they that like police used to use when they would find a yeah. sex worker that died. Oh, yeah. uh, the, person not of any or, or like not a person. Yeah, yeah they're basically not yeah. a person, but it's like not a person of yeah. Uh, importance. Yeah, whatever whatever it was. Um, I I think that especially. Interestingly enough, the fascination with serial killers um, rather than individual murders shone a light on that because it's like, wow, all these people died and they were just allowed to because cops were just like, it's it's a fucking hooker. Like, who cares? We don't have to look into it. Like I was saying, the Grim Sleeper um, in Oakland or Compton, somewhere in LA or somewhere in California killed... Mm -hmm all these um, black sex workers and just no one gave a shit. Yeah. And I mean, once people started giving a shit, basically everyone knew who it was, mm-hmm. but because no one gave a shit, they're just like, right now, gives a shit. Yeah. We don't have to look into this. Fucking Kevin so, so that, that I think, and like I said, I don't, I don't know. Keeps chicken Kevin egg. A murder. No, yeah. Chicken egg on like yeah. people caring about yeah. it. Um, but nice. it has shone a light on, um, you know, people that, People wouldn't have otherwise cared about the yeah. the my I was listening to my favorite murder on the way here today because I, I haven't listened to it in forever just to like get another taste of what it's like and I, as much as I think that those women are like weird uh, sociopaths I found myself getting drawn in because they have good chemistry mm-hmm. uh, but one of the women was talking about it was released on an Indigenous People's Day and she's talking about a bunch of Indigenous people that were murdered and they, it, yeah. it can. Yeah. Um, if you're into the genre, humanize people that you would otherwise not necessarily think about at yeah, all. Yeah. But on the other hand, you said that it made you realize bad things about the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. 
and that makes sense, but also most of these murders are solved by, like, cops. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they have to get the credit for it. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with an argument that I've had with Iz and uh, my my cousin who's one of my mm-hmm. best friend's fiancés, and they got in a big fight about this one time. Can I ask you a we question? There. So what? are you familiar with the Long Island serial killer by any chance? Maybe. So... Basically, is it like Cropsy or a different. One? Oh, no, that's no. So the Long the Long Island serial serial killer. I mean, you know, it's not known if it's one person or if it is a serial killer because they've never been caught. But um, I was very interested in this case um, specifically because I am from Long Island and I remember when they started finding these bodies. But I listened to a really great podcast, a couple of really great podcasts about it, and the all of the women um, were. Uh, sex workers and there's actually there's a Netflix movie that they made about it too I think called Lost Girls but um, I can't remember off the top of my head how many victims there were but there were many victims they were all sex workers and because the they were sex workers the Suffolk County um, police just did not think that it was a big deal. Um, I mean, you know, the, this the, this case is very complicated, but there's absolutely some sort of cover-up involved in some sort of way with the Suffolk County Police. Um, that person no longer works there now, but, you know, I, I think that listening to that story, you know, and, and finding out more about that case was great and humanized the podcast that I listened to on it really made the the woman that were murdered people, whereas all of the media coverage for this case was prostitutes killed, you know, hookers, just slandering these women. And when I listened to the podcast, I, I felt like I was able to, you know, their family, they, or their families were on the show and they were human beings. And that's not the way that they were treated and still ongoing. I mean, this case has never been solved. That's not the way that the case is presented to the public. Yeah. So, you know, listening to, to, uh, that case and kind of like, you know, realizing when I was a teenager, I was like, Oh, like, because I had no idea. I was like, Oh, like I didn't feel you scared because so much it was... younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it just, I guess kind of listening to that podcast as an adult, because these, this happened when I was in high school just kind of like it just gave me such a, a, a better perspective of, of the whole, you know, situation. But I, I totally agree with what you say about how it has, yeah. you know, changed the culture. And, I, think. And I have something to transition to first. Uh, when do I get I to look- put a monkey wrench in all of your statements? First, I looked up the acronym I was talking he just about. Goes. Yeah. It's <laughs> NHI. Yeah. Okay. No human involved. Yeah. No mm-hmm. actual human involved. Fucking amazing. Like I can't believe I think how they fucking just bad used that, that on. Um, it was on the second episode succession. of SUV. They used on Succession or SVU. Yeah. Are you gonna tear us apart now? Yeah. So. Oh my God! Tear this dude apart. Do you have a second point first, Bob? I well, I had a connecting point. What's your connecting point? My connecting point was that these podcasts. A lot of them are. A lot of the murders are solved by cops because that's whose job it is to do. That's who has the time yeah. and resource to look into it. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of episodes that will like valorize the work that they do. Well, let me just but say this the, about cops is just a, a side. Their job is to protect and serve, but that essentially means they're supposed to minimize the amount of damage and loss in society, um, killings included. And a lot of these cases, the cops wave off things and more people get killed. So I really don't want to give them credit for anything. Oh, um, I don't either. I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying that yeah. in a lot of episodes, they end up yeah. getting credit because they're the ones yeah, who sure. solve but the not, murder. I don't, but not always, I don't, I think not always with, with you, people of color or, right. you know, indigenous cases. I, I completely agree. And I want to get to that. Yeah. The thing that I want to connect it to is, um, shows like SVU, um, Criminal Minds, like even Bones, things that me and his watch a ton of. Great. CSI. You hit my monkey wrench. Because I think 
those they that plays on a lot of the same interests that true crime stuff does. Yeah. Obviously, fictionalized version, but a lot of times rip, ripped from the headlines. Mm-hmm. And I have been saying for years that shows like this are really bad because while in true crime there are a lot more instances of like online sleuths or mm-hmm. like people just not giving up when the cops do give up. And yeah. in all of these shows, almost every single episode, they might get someone wrong at the beginning, but they don't throw them in prison. They don't convict them. At the end, they get their guy. They convict them. They... Any, any um, like, Miranda rights or having to get a search warrant is red tape that they have to get through to get their guy. Like, that... I think that those things, like, that people watch mindlessly week after week just because... Like I said, Nina's watch it. They're they're fun to watch. You don't have to think that much about them. You can mm-hmm. just take it in episode after episode. Um, I think that if you're not thinking about it, that really builds up like a, an an unconscious trust in cops and mm-hmm. an unconscious distrust on any oversight of cops that doesn't allow them to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, they're not. The Texans aren't good at their yeah they're really bad most of them are really bad but yeah there's not there's not 90 percent of episodes of a csi philadelphia that they don't end up with the solving the murder do you do you feel differently about like with the visual aid do you think that that is more of what is or well i think that i think the big difference is the fictionalization yeah the fact that they don't have to worry about the fact that oh a lot of the times the cops are fucking up and being idiots and not caring Mm -hmm. because in these shows, our heroes are the cops. So they're caring and they're not really fucking up. And if they're fucking up, it's in the name of trying to get justice. And if, if that's all you see, which basically it is with the occasional, like very special episode once a season of something like kind of going off the rails and then them still getting their guy or losing their guy, but not Mm -hmm. getting the wrong guy. I think if you grow up with that and you're, it's on TV and uh, what SVU is on TNT, I'm going to watch it for four hours. Mm-hmm. I think if you do that, I think it can subconsciously build up in the back of your brain if you're not mm-hmm. thinking actively, this is fiction. Sure. Except that what you're saying, though, is it's already learning lines of fiction, in fact. Um, and I'll tell you why. We talked a little bit about the show Dexter, and that's obviously a fake show. But the premise of the show is he is a serial killer himself, and he kills serial killers. So if you're obsessed with something, at least do it for good. Talk about these podcasts. They're obsessed with murders and things like that. People call that weird. But they're putting out information that is helpful. If you're obsessed with something, do it for good. So... I have no problem uh, with that at all because those shows are uh, kind of, you know, bring into a new world of like, hey, look, there's a reality that things suck sometimes. And, you know, we all have to come together or there's certain things we need to know. Some people enjoy the podcast, but at the end of the day, these are realities. But then you look at, TV shows, which kind of craft things. And what you guys are talking about is these podcasts fo- focus so much on victims. And I think that's what's powerful and great and useful about them. And what you just talked about is their shows, they focus on the cops. They want to make heroes out of the cops. The podcasts want to make, you know, a light shine on these victims. One of you has to explain sexy Ted Bundy to me. The mix of fact and fiction. The mix of fact and fiction. Not real Ted Bundy. The fact that they fucking cast Zac Efron to be Ted Bundy. Who allowed that bullshit in this society? Ted Bundy is not like... Exactly. So how the hell do you pull Zac Efron? Like, Like, take the murder out of your mind. Ted, would you fuck... Ted Bundy. Would you fuck Ted Bundy? Would you fuck Ted Bundy? Guys, you're you're going to see the picture I, that's I, like I know, this with the unibrow. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I know what Ted Bundy looks like, but I just want to look at it again. Would you like, fuck Zac Efron? Yes. 
All right. Well, here's it's not his, as well, bad as his, I thought. Okay. Well, what I was gonna say was I I genuinely thought that Zac Efron kind of looked like Ted Bundy a little bit, but like in a hotter way, like in so, a much more attractive way. So you way. thought Ted Bundy was hot, but Zac Efron was a hotter version um, of Ted Bundy. I think that I don't think that. You think Ted, that they have similar facial structure? Basically, yeah, like they I, have a similar nose. Kind yeah, of. They, I think he just got the unibrow in jail because he just stopped shaving. If maybe he, I'm wrong. Maybe he's yeah. better looking than I thought. He well, was, he would be better looking without the unibrow. Yeah, he used to be in suits and like. You hear that, up. Anthony Davis? <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, I think that the, the thing about him, though, is like he like not that I think that it's not that he's the most attractive guy in the world, but he's not he doesn't look like a serial killer. He looks like a guy that you would go on a date with and have a good time. Yeah, he doesn't look like, like Henry Lee Lucas. And then he'll like Can't kiss relate. you at your door before he lets you go inside. He doesn't look like a serial killer. So that's why people are so obsessed with him being like attractive, because I mean, you know. He's just, like, a regular kind of, like, fair-looking guy. He probably, like... First of all... Not first of all. Just something that bothers me all the time that doesn't get talked about enough. The average IQ, which... All caveats about IQ, what the fuck ever. I already don't know where the hell you go with this and where you cut it out, but continue. So, the average (laughs) IQ of a serial killer is, like, 97. Sure. Like... The average serial killer isn't Hannibal Lecter or, like, a, a genius who's, like, leaving leaving clues for the cops. It's, like, a guy that just kills sex workers that no one's going to miss. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the cult of the, like, genius serial killer yeah. is so stupid. Well, the, I don't... And glamorizes being a serial no, killer. No, no, no. I, you, you need to get out of my house. That was the worst argument I've ever heard you make. You're asking a serial killer to take an IQ test to determine if they're a good serial killer? So Put are a you, body uh, in front of them. Are you, are you saying that there's a uh, there's a bias of the serial killers that get caught and get to... No, I just... No, what I'm saying is that an IQ test is not asking the questions that make someone good at being a serial killer. Well, yeah, but I'm saying they're not a Hannibal Lecter that likes nice wine True, and is very well read. Sure, they're not sophisticated, but he, even beyond his just like uh, you're saying, an IQ test is like run, uh, making a NFL player run a forty yard dash. And no, <laughs> saying he's good at football. No, I'm just saying it's like they they talked a lot. We talked. And seen in Mindhunter, which is just a you know a variation of it, Ed Kemper. But if you read profiles on Ed Kemper, he's a big ass dude who hated women because of his mother. But when it came to cops and other dudes at the bar, he was charismatic. He made friends. He knew how to get information. He knew how to hide things very well. He got caught because he wanted to get caught. If you looked at that guy. And even the line of stuff that he had done, he kept failing to get into the police academy himself because of the psychological test, which is where you could say, well, that's where he's not smart enough to beat a psychological test because he is messed up and he can't, like, recognize that. But he knew his craft to a T, which was a disgusting one. But you're not going to see any of those questions on an IQ test. And those guys' brains might be irreparably broken, but it doesn't mean that they don't work for this one thing that they want to do. Ed Kemper didn't have the pure shooting stroke or the vertical uh, no. explosiveness, but he had the intangibles. He, had, he was born seven foot tall. The Spurs would have loved him. <laughs> well, psychopaths are generally very charismatic. I, I mean, not, you know, to a, to a, to a degree, at least... Yeah, because they, they see it and they can fake it. Well, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, going back to Dexter, you know, it's it's people who are serial killers are not, it's not the same thing as a family annihilator or a domestic abuse situation. Serial killers are, you know, it's, it, the brain chemistry is different. Yeah. It, it has to be. And it, it is kind of interesting, though, that we even talked about Ted Bundy, though, because I think that's what freaked everybody out was, like, there was this belief that, okay, IQ can vary, but it's a, usually a little higher just because they're smarter guys who know how to do all this stuff with tools and stuff. But their EQs were shit. They did not understand humans, didn't care that they died. 
they could not relate to people. And then all of a sudden, there's this new type of serial killer who gets into your house, not because he pushed you through the door, but because he asked if you'd like a drink. And that scared the shit out of people when Ted Bundy came out. But that's why no serial killers are alike and why you have to keep studying them as individuals, but still look for those patterns is because, okay, we got one that's pretty sly and can live a full life by him, you know, himself or in a family. Ted Bundy was able to maintain a family. Ed Kemper could not. A and, lot of serial killers have, though, maintained families, yeah. which is super interesting. Yeah, and it's... Well, that's psychopathy, right? Yeah. They can fake that yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... You know, you say they failed an IQ test. I mean, some of these guys, I bet their their goal is never to pass an IQ test, so they don't fucking care. Put the yeah. bubble in whatever. Yeah. Or, I, I guess my point was less about that and, yeah. and, and more about the romanticization no, of, I, of, I, a, yeah. of a genius mm-hmm. um, Hannibal Lecter yeah. but style I think, serial killer. I think it also breaks... But what you're saying is completely right. I think it breaks that visual of what people think an evil genius is. They're thinking it's Dr. Evil, you know, or like yeah, some they're guy like, with glasses. They're salesman evil, not CEO evil. Exactly. And that like they're they're seeing that in the reality is why are you afraid of the guy who's working in the you know, the suite when there's this construction worker who's really strong? It's like, well, because one of them just knows something different that cuts into a human bone. Yeah, he can do route running. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, you know, that's the same thing. Maybe I'll explain that one to you later. It's a football <laughs> joke. Um, but yeah, was there anything else in that article that we didn't eviscerate? I don't know. I came into this like agreeing with the article, but there are. It turned out there's a lot more things it's where still, I come down. I think it was well-meaning, and there's parts of it that are legit. But I agree. I am. I did come out of it defending true crime more than I thought I would. There was one thing that I wanted to bring up that I read in a true crime magazine. Have you ever heard of the uh, the Atavist magazine? I have not. I did not know there was a true crime magazine. So since, <laughs> since I'm not a real true crime junkie. When I got kicked off Twitter, I got an Apple News Plus subscription. You like a month ago? Wait, you got like, it like because you got kicked off Twitter? Yeah. I was like, I need something to well, fill my time. Oh, I thought they were yeah, like, well, we're, now I'm now I'm, now I'm tweeting from the blog account. <laughs> but I I am maintaining this because I. It's getting me articles that I can read and fill my time instead of doing that. And this, it started recommending to me this thing called the Atavist. And what they do is they have one long form true crime story every month. Really well written, really well done. The last one that I read was from a couple months ago. It was called Silence of the Fur Babies. So, and did you guys um, ever hear of Don't Fuck With Cats? Yes. It was on Netflix. I did not watch it. Uh, I heard um, of it. Yes. So one of the like main figures in this story was like involved in the don't fuck with cats thing, mm-hmm. like online slew thing. Yeah. Um, and she and her boyfriend at the time were like animal rights activists and some cats got killed and like left, a couple got left on people's doorsteps. So they start... Um, advocating like look into this to the police Mm -hmm. look into this look into this and police are like no it's cats like it was probably just foxes whatever eventually the police let them in and they're cataloging all these cat deaths that they think are by this person by the end of the article it's like 700 over a couple years and it's just like they they get obsessed they get obsessed with this and the, I think the London police put like 180,000 pounds into it, all this, and they have 700, 700 victims by the time this article is published. And by the end of it, it's just like, you, the, what you guys think happened did not happen. Yeah. It's like, someone was probably like killing cats and like was a fucking psycho about this, but they didn't kill 700 people. And this is years into the investigation. They're like, uh, it, there's a cover up. At the police. That's why we're not, like, getting funding anymore. Jesus Christ. The, the, the couple that was at the head of it broke up because they were so intense about it. The, the article compares it to the movie Zodiac. What? Because just, like, everyone's life gets completely fucking un- upended by it, and they don't come to any sort of conclusion at the end <laughs> at all. So, okay. 
and it's it's a really interesting read but like I'm, I'm curious what your guys thoughts are on this like sort of the dark side of the online sleuthing that the the light side gets we read about it we hear about it when it works but like when it doesn't or yeah. for example in, in the uh the boston marathon bombing when like someone gets identified and it's a wrong person and then someone else gets identified and they died a couple days before and washed up on shore like the the dark side of glamorizing the online sleuthing Mm -hmm. where it's like if you do this you can really help but like it might fuck you up and you might fuck other people's lives up as well yeah like there's no there's no like in between it it it, it is what it is the boundary (laughs) has has been broken on both sides yeah and It's getting really uh, bad. So one thing that's really starting to bother me is that the police have taken to um, creating Twitter accounts. And before suspects are charged or charged at all, they are defaming them. And we talk about the Internet sleuths and we talk about police. You know, you need less police than you do need Internet sleuths. But they're essentially doing the same thing. They're basically saying... No innocent before proven guilty. Like, we're getting the message out now. It's you. So, the internet sleuths, I do understand. People need to take a beat because sometimes the most, like, simple explanation is the one that is. And also, all available public information a lot of times does get combed through, um, even by shit detectives. Now... To be very, very, very clear, if you're looking through and you find something that could break the case, call a tip line. Call someone that wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, just run with it and ruin someone's life. And if it doesn't go anywhere from there, maybe then. Don't do cancel culture. (laughs) I don't really... I I don't really think that... Don't put something that is not vetted by people whose job it is to vet it. Out in public because that could completely fuck someone over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even hit cancel culture for me. It hits this. I know. Weird, I was just weird like, thing of like trying to win the murder race. It's like playing Clue and like wanting to win and realizing nobody wins when they're just a murder. Like, so I'm gonna actually connect this to my last point, Brian Laundry. We might have just found his body. Apparently. Right before we started podcasting, if you know about this case, they have believed... God bless you. Yeah, they believe they found his remains. Um, But, you know, we were uh, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And we had all these internet sleuths and stuff like that. He disappeared. His parents find him. I don't even really know what to say. Like, it doesn't make sense anymore because, like, we talked about that earlier. Is they went over that reserve multiple different times. You know, they went through there, and then all of a sudden, there's remains in there. There's a notebook. There's his book bag. And we don't ever really know the truth. We don't really ever know what's going to happen. But everybody's on top of this. Everybody wants to see the answer, but... Finding him, does that really feel like a win? Do we all feel happier? Do we feel like justice has been served and good job, guys? High fives? No, it's very anticlimactic. I think <laughs> I think that if you kill someone, you should... If you're a good person... If you're a good person, if you kill someone and you're a good person... If you kill someone and you're a good person... You should confess on your deathbed so that your friends and family and the victims can all profit off of having known you. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That is the least that you can do. Otherwise, you're going to hell. Oh, yeah. Can I Can I? You can you kill guys, someone and still go to heaven. Um, but... When you said, when you brought up your point about internet sleuths, I wasn't even thinking about this. But on Monday, so the last Crime Junkie episode was about Amanda Knox. Which is like such a she's a, smoke. a unicorn of a like of a like. Why? What'd you say? <laughs> so she's a smoke. She, <laughs> <laughs> Went right over that one, Meg. You let him do a sexism. Um. No, but like, so she came on the podcast and she talked herself, and 
I just, I think that that is such a, a, a great example of like, I mean, because obviously this was before the age of like internet sleuths and, you know, people right. kind of like being their own detectives, but yeah. like, or the that, very beginning of it. I mean, that case, you know, her life, I mean, yeah. you have, you can have your own opinions on whether she was involved or not, but so she's, a, she's not involved. Who is this? She's yeah. a lie. So Amanda, <laughs> Amanda Knox. She's a lie. She right? got charged oh, yeah, with that murder. Oh, Italy, my bad. Bobby, send me some pictures if she's a smoke. <laughs> Um, she, yeah, she, her, she was accused of, of murdering her, um, I roommate in Italy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but, you know, they, they found that there was very clear evidence of that person that did it. And the yeah, media. Really ruining her life. The, oh, the, the media. Italian media was just like, oh she's a gosh. slut. She the British them. media. The British oh, the British. Yeah, were, I remember seeing some yeah. of that and just being like, I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't her life was destroyed. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I was just like, years. I don't know yeah. anything else about it, so. Yeah. Well, it builds character, so that's good. No, but, like, listening to her, like, talk about the way that, like, the representation of her through the media was just, like, was so incorrect. But, like, even myself, like, before I listened to this episode and, like, really, like, understood the facts of the the crime, like, when I just, you know, watched a random documentary about her, I was like, oh, man, this Samantha Knox girl's a little sketchy. I don't really believe that she didn't have anything to do with it. But then you listen to, like, the cold facts on the case, and there's, you know, it's ridiculous that that she took all of the blame for this murder, yeah. she didn't yeah. have anything to do with, but... And we, we were talking before we started recording about Serial, and it's like... Yeah. There, there's since been another podcast, I forget what it's called, but it's basically, like, the facts that weren't presented on Serial, and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. all these things do have a point of view. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. There's an agenda. There's yeah. a. I mean, there's some good story writers who can stay unbiased, but even yeah. when you listen to Serial, it helps her story to keep flip flopping. Mm-hmm. It makes it more compelling. At the end of the day, no matter what, all of these podcasts are entertainment. Yeah. So, and I think with that in mind, um, let's make this podcast some entertainment. Um, do the exact opposite of what we just said. We're all going to present our full timeline of Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie's death. Um, so I'm going to go first because mine's the best. And then if you don't like yours, you can just take mine. Go ahead. Anyway, so Gabby Petito was killed by Brian Laundrie. Nothing crazy there. Keep calling him Laundrie because I don't really fucking care. Um, that wasn't a surprise. He dumped the body. All the internet sleuthing did help. They found her. Now, that question goes to, though, what the hell happened with Brian? So, Brian comes home, sees his parents who are um, dropping acid or something. I don't know what's wrong with these people. And the cops come, and they're like, uh, where's your girlfriend? And he's like, oh, hi at the lake. And he said, what? And she goes, I don't know. Um, so, he killed her, and he realizes he's got to disappear, and his parents want to help. So, his parents are uh they go back with him in the caravan to the spot help move her body and make it more secure come back with him claim they were on the trip and then they murder him too bang bang and that's why his body was moved into the reserve today what's your timeline man uh, um well you can just I, take that one if I, you want. I, I, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's an interesting point that you bring up that you think that the parents also killed Brian, but... <laughs> there could have been something, though, where they helped him assisted suicide. Yeah, I, well, or I, I, they I, really did flip the yeah. fuck out on him at some point when he was freaking out. And no, it was just like, I Brian, that, yeah. I can't deal with you, I'm going to kill you. I think that they that if... Because if, if you kill a killer, it cancels itself out. If this does end up being his body and that, and it does end up being a suicide, you know, I think that, I don't necessarily think that the parents were involved with his, helping him do the suicide. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the parents were involved with helping him evade the police I, I guess, and helping yeah. him, you know, figure out what he's, what, if he's been alive up until recently, then, yeah. you know, they've been helping him stay that way. If he's been dead for longer than that, which... They Obviously said remains, but because, I don't, yeah, what yeah, does remains mean? You know, is it can, a full body? Is it? Yeah, and you can tell, 
you know, once you do an autopsy, when the but body was deceased. They so. definitely sounded like they wanted the parents to come identify, though. So, yeah, the uh, parents which are- is an official measure to some degree, but I feel like if they knew knew it was him, like his face was intact, that would have gotten out. Um, I think it's probably partially intact enough that the family can identify him and they just want to make sure. Uh, but if it was like very clearly like he just got there today and then shot himself in the head, we would already know. Yeah. Yeah. But it, my, my timeline is, uh, I killed both of them. I could, I could see that. Yeah. I've read your timeline. You Thank keep you. claiming that. I don't know. I ain't got banned yet. I see that. All right. Well, this is our favorite part of the show. Uh, this is plugs. Baby, what you want to plug? Um, I would like to plug that I exist. Uh, that's really it. I don't, I don't have anything else to plug. Bobby, what would you like to plug today? I'm going to do my normal thing of saying I might write something. So <laughs> be on the lookout for maybe that not, happening. Not only did I <laughs> one-up Bobby by writing something, I sent it to him to edit. And then he said, I'm going to read this next to you. And I said, what? Um, but anyway. I'm very selfish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can catch me on twitch.tv slash coderan. We got some fun things going on for Halloween. And obviously, uh, you know, as we get closer to the holidays, maybe have a little bit more free time, do a little bit more streams. But you can always catch us on Neurotica here. We're definitely going to keep going strong. And uh, as we get into the winter months, Bobby will truck through the snow for more episodes. But before as we go, I don't get arrested for the murders that I did. Yeah. Of Kathy Petito. So don't yeah. tell anyone. Stop, stop saying it. <laughs> I was going to edit it out, but you us. know I don't like editing more than one space. Anyway. See, uh, we've talked so much about how much we don't like the cops that they don't listen to this anymore. <laughs> so I'm good to go. But Bobby, you got to give us the they last. They listened to it before. you got to give us the last word of the day. Is that what you want to go with? Yeah, it's uh, Gabby Potato.